0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. It was at the uh, end of World War II. American Sub was coming back to the states, and it was coming to the port in Newport, Virginia. And as it was docking, something terribly went wrong with the mechanical systems, and it began to sink and immediately when it began to sink, the Coast Guard was dispatched. And as they were trying to rescue as many uh, of the crew as possible, they, they, they saw the submarine, in fact, sink to the bottom. And they sent divers down to the bottom to see if they could do anything to help rescue those who were still trapped inside the submarine. And as they were swimming in the depths of the ocean, they heard one uh, creative Crew member inside the submarine using what they thought was a hammer to signal a code, a message to the outside world. So he used Morse code, and the message that he was sending to them with Morse code was Is there hope? Is there hope? It is one of the, if not the most fundamental questions we will ask as human beings. Is there hope? I mean, is there a reason for this life? Are things gonna get better? Is anything in my life that is down gonna turn up? For so many of us, we have asked that question a thousand different ways. Your friends, your family are asking this question every day of their life. We ask it when we go to the hospital, we're waiting for the results of a test. Is there hope? We ask it when we are sitting by the bedside of a a sick family member. Is there hope? When you've put months and months into marriage counseling and you're sitting there and you're going nowhere in your mind, you're asking, is there hope? When you're in debt, you're in debt up to your eyeballs and it doesn't seem like you're ever going to get out of it. And you ask yourself, is there hope? Our government, our political leaders, they're asking questions in places like Syria. Is there any hope? You see, this is the most important question any of us will ever answer. Is there hope? And we all are are striving for hope. We all want hope. And so we say things like, man, I hope the economy gets better. I hope I find a better job. I hope my kids turn out okay. Some of you who are single are hoping you find Mr. Wright or Miss Wright. But most of the time when we use the word hope, what we're saying is that we're uncertain about something. We're uncertain about how this is going to turn out, but we're trying really hard to be optimistic. We're trying really, really hard to be positive. And even though it's uncertain, we hope things turn out okay. But as Christians, our hope isn't just positive thinking. It's just not an optimistic outlook. It's deeper. It's rooted in something theological. It's, it's rooted in something that is real and powerful. As we've been reading through the book of 1 Peter over the last several weeks, we come to chapter 3, the last passage. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Open up your app to get there. But we've seen this word hope over and over again. Let me remind you, verse 13, chapter 1. Peter says, according to his great mercy, God's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So our hope is a living hope. It's alive, it's active, it's breathing, it's real. And we have this living hope because of the resurrection. Jesus is no longer in the grave. Jesus died on the cross, but three days later, he rose in victorious victory over sin, over death. He's alive. So our hope is rooted in that promise. And so when we, when we hear our friends, our family talk about hoping something's going to work out, they're optimistic. But for us as a believer, hope is this. Let me give you a def- definition. Hope is a confident Expectation that something good will happen based upon the promises of God. So, as a Christian, I have a confident expectation that something good is going to happen to me, for me, not just because I'm optimistic, but because I have based that confidence and that expectation on the promises of God. The promise of God says that Jesus rose from the grave. That in him, by faith, I have salvation. My relationship with him is restored. I have the hope of heaven. And Paul in the Bible says that our hope is confident. This hope is secure. It is firm. It is certain. And Peter here says it as well. Like this is a living hope. That means we don't have to doubt it. We don't have to think that we're going to lose it. It is powerful. It is firm and secure. So some of the promises of God are that he is orchestrating all of the events in my life for my good. The scripture says that that those who love God, all things work out for good. So he uses negative situations, bad situations. And so my hope is no matter what I experience, that my God who loves me is working that out for my good in his glory. That's a promise that gives us hope. We have the promise that God has a plan for us. God has a purpose for us. We have a promise that he's gonna give us a future and he's gonna give us even more hope and those plans are good. He promises us that Jesus right now is in heaven preparing a place for me to live forever. Because of these promises, I have hope. Now, I believe today that there are many people in the room who don't have hope. You walk in here today discouraged by so many of life's problems and so many relational issues that you sit here and your hope is, is, is empty. There are even Christians in the room today who have, have let the circumstances of life dictate your mentality and there's no hope there. It's just maybe positive thinking on good days, but on bad days, it's empty. I think in our scripture today, we're gonna to see not only some characteristics of how we live out this hope, but that in fact, that, that when we experience Christ, when we, when we give our life to him, he gives us this hope and then we're called to share that hope. So it's, it's vital that as a Christian, I know what that hope is so that then I can share that hope. And so if you're in your Bible, let's look at, first of all, verse eight of chapter three he says this finally (laughs) i love i love this he's he's like a good old fashioned baptist preacher right he's like an in conclusion and then he writes like four or five more pages (laughs) my dad my dad's a pastor and i remember as a kid like sitting there and my dad would always usually say something like that like in conclusion and then he'd go in and as soon as he said in conclusion as a kid you're like yes He's almost done. She's almost done. We're gonna leave, and then he talked for like thirty more minutes. You're like, Dad, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. So he says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for revire, reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. So here are some characteristics and some behavior that you and I have to have as Christians. And he says, first and foremost, we have to have unity of mind. In God's church, it is paramount that we have unity. The number one thing the enemy wants to do is divide us. If we are divided in our mission, if we get divided by backbiting each other, talking negatively about each other, criticizing each other, slandering one another, If that division occurs, our mission ends. So we've got to fight for maturity. We've got to fight for what he says next, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. Like we have to care enough about each other that we are willing to forgive one another when we get offended, that we are willing to work through issues when we have them and not just leave. Like some of you really believe that there is a perfect church out there. You believe that there's a pastor that you're gonna agree 100% with every single Sunday, that nobody in the church is ever gonna offend you. And it's like, that's just an impossibility because we are all sinners. And we bring that with us when we show up, even to church on Sunday morning. And as a result of that, we're gonna get offended. We're gonna have issues. But he calls us to a different way of life to show compassion and sympathy and a tender heart and to love each other through those issues. He says to have a humble mind. So can we just stop pretending like we have it all figured out? Guys, can you just stop pretending like you know everything about how to be a husband and and, and stop pretending like you have all the answers? Can Can we just lay down that pride for a moment and begin to walk in humility? He says, don't seek revenge. Instead, bless your enemies. Now, here's the reality. Some of you came just for this. God brought you here just to hear this right here, right now. Some of you need to get a blessing from God. And you're here and you're like, man, I would love to be blessed from God. I would love to get a special. I'm like, yeah, I think you're here to get that blessing. I believe God wants to bless you today. But here's the reality. If you wanna receive that blessing today, you've gotta bless someone else. Some of you are here today with a broken heart because somebody hurt you and you've held on to that offense and you've become bitter and angry about that. And you're not hurting anybody else but yourself. And for whatever reasons you felt like thinking about that on a regular basis is going to help you live a peaceful life, a healthy life. But it's just holding you back. Scripture calls us to bless others. Now, here's the deal. If you want to get a blessing from God, you've got to bless yourself. You know how you can bless yourself today? Forgive that person. It's the greatest blessing you could ever give to yourself. It's just simply forgive them to release them of that offense and that hurt in your life. He says, don't repay reviling with reviling. Don't, don't repay evil with evil. Instead, bless others. And now I want you to jump over to verse 13 because here's where I want to focus this morning. Verse 13, he says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you, you will be blessed. So he's like, Look, do good. Do good. Live a righteous life. And even if you're suffering because of righteousness, you are going to be blessed. He says, have no fear of them. Of who? The world who would persecute you. The world that would cause uh, negative things to happen to you. Talk bad about you. Slander you. He says, don't, don't fear them. Nor be troubled. Don't be troubled by them. Verse 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Let me just unpack this a little bit today. He gives us here what what I think is, is a very challenging but also very needed message for us today, and that is that as Christians, We have hope, we live in a hopeless world, and God is calling you and I to share that hope. So how do we do that? Well, if you wanna take some notes down, number one is that you will share your hope when your heart is set on Christ. So again, in verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. Honor him as holy. So anytime you and I begin to set our hearts, devotion and affection on the Lord, then we will be able to, and then we will, in fact, share our hope. You see, some of you aren't sharing hope because you don't have hope. For believers in the room that have experienced this salvation, that have experienced the Lord, then he has put a faith and a hope in your heart. And as we commit to him, we are freely able to share the hope that he's given to us. He says here in verse 50, he says, have no fear of them. Have no fear of the world. And yet, what do we do? We have fear of everybody. We have fear of what's gonna happen at work if I share my faith. Is somebody gonna get offended? We watch CNN and Fox News and all this stuff and, and we let that get us worked up to where if I mention my faith, then they're gonna crucify me. I'm gonna get fired. I'm gonna lose a sale. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in trouble, And we let the fear of what may happen to us stop us from boldly and confidently sharing our hope. Now, we've got to remember what Jesus said in Luke 12. He said, do not fear those who kill the body. Fear him who has the power to cast you into hell. So the reality is, instead of fearing what may or may not happen, Peter says, don't fear them. Jesus says, don't fear people, what they may or may not do to you. Fear the one who's in control and sovereign over all. And so to him we honor, to him we look, to him we focus. And so, so, so we are called to make a defense, to, to be ready and prepared to share the reason for our hope. Now, the Greek word make a defense is the word apologia. That's where we get our word apologetics which is simply means how do we reason our faith or how do we defend our faith in Jesus? And so he's he's calling us to be able and to be prepared to give a reason for our hope. So if someone asked you today, why do you believe in Jesus? What would you say? What would your response be? Like, why do you believe in Jesus? Some of you in here today would say, I don't believe in him. I'm just checking things out. I'm new to church, so I'm just here, so I, I really don't. Some of you would say, I do, but ah, uh, because the Bible says so, <laughs> that's weak sauce, man, right? That's weak. Like, no, really, why do you have hope today? Why do you have hope in your marriage? Why do you have hope in the economy? Why do you have hope that even though it seems like there are so many problems in the world, why do you have hope? Give a, give a reason. Share your hope question is important. I think it's a great question to toss around in your small groups. It's a great question to talk about in your homes this week. It's a great question for you to talk to your friends about. Like, what is your reason? What is your defense? He says, set your heart on Christ. Now, when you set your heart on him, when you're honoring him, then you will be ready and prepared to share your faith. Secondly, if you're taking notes, you will honor Jesus when you prepare share. So like when you are prepared, like you'll be able to share. Now, some of you feel like you're not prepared. Thanks, bro. Some of you feel like I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough like like, uh, 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 knowledge. Some of you feel like, man, I, I just don't have it in me. Like I just don't know enough. So I need to go to seminary or I need to go do something before I'm ready. Now, let me just explain it like this. Now, my wife came to me and said, Trent, like, I need you to fix up the house. There's some things I need you to work on. I'm, I'm not, i am just be honest with you, I'm not Mr. Fix-It. I'm not that kind of guy, right? I'm the guy that when she says do something, I'm like, oh yeah, babe, I'll take care of it. I'm like, oh crap, where's YouTube at? And I have to Google it and I have to figure it out, right? So if she comes to me and she says, I've got some issues and I go to my garage and in my garage, I don't have a lot of tools because I don't fix a lot of stuff, but I do find this. Let's just say I find a good old putty knife, right? And I get that putty knife and I tell her, I'm like, honey, like I've got a putty knife, but like I can't paint the house with this, I can't nail stuff, I can't cut stuff with this, so I'm not prepared, I'm not ready. So I'm gonna to have to watch football today, and then next week I'll go to the store, I'll get the stuff, I'll get some tools, I'll get prepared, and then I'll take care of it. So she says, okay, so. I watched football all day and yesterday was a great day. And then um, let's just say the next Saturday comes up and I'm like, okay, today's the day. I'm gonna fix up the house. I gotta go get some stuff. So I go to the hardware store, right? And and when you go to the hardware store, like you gotta get all kinds of fun stuff. So, you know, you gotta have a drill, right? So I get a drill and I, I got that stuff now and I gotta get my gloves out. I gotta make sure I can, I can, I can protect my hands and I gotta get a gotta get a hammer. Because you gotta, you know, hammer stuff and and do that deal, and then you gotta get the wrench. That's like a no-brainer, and then you've got to. I don't know, some kind of machine here, this is, this is a stapler, maybe I need to staple my kid's mouth shut, I don't know, um, and then this was interesting too, this just looked cool, like I don't know what we do with that, murder somebody, I don't know, Mr. Green in the library, so I, the point is, I can go get all kinds of tools, right, I got a saw because I can cut stuff and I got all kinds of stuff now, so Saturday rolls around and I'm like, look at all these cool tools, honey, I've got all this cool stuff and I'm ready to fix the house up. And she goes, great. You see that hole over there on the wall? And I'm like, yeah, like with that little nail hole? Yeah, that little nail hole. Can you fill that and, and paint that? I moved a picture there, and so we need to fix that little nail hole. So I'm like, well, I, you know, I could fix, well, wait, I, I got a putty knife. So all I got to do is, is go get some like little spackling stuff and fill the little tiny hole and then paint it. And then I'm good to go. See, the whole time, I had the tools that I needed. It makes me feel better to go get all this stuff and makes me look more like a man, and you know, I got all these tools. But the reality is, I already had what I needed. So, my point is this. Sure, there's a thousand Bible studies that you could go watch and read and learn, hundreds and thousands of books. You can watch preaching. You can get better prepared. You can learn more and educate yourself to become, you know, know, more equipped to handle certain conversations. But at the same time, every single one of you who claim the name of Jesus have a faith within you that has already qualified you and prepared you to share your hope. You already have faith. So when he says, hey, prepare yourself to get ready, and you're like, I can't get ready, man. I don't, I'm don't. i not ready. No, you're ready. You got every tool that you need. Jesus has changed your life. Use that. Here's the great thing about your hope. The great thing about your hope is that it's your hope. And so nobody can argue with how God has changed your life. No one can really, you know, Go back and forth with how you used to do X, Y and Z, but, but then you realize that that was devastating, and God changed you, and now you do this and you're different, and, and you have hope. And see, I believe people are inspired and crave hope and hopeful stories. It's why we spend tons of money on movies, movies that give us hope and inspire us. Why? Because we are, we are like fiends for hope stories. Like we want to hear more and experience more of other people's success and other people's hopefulness. And so that's why he calls us to be this person who is always ready, who is always ready to share, who is always ready and willing to give the hope and the reason for that hope. You see, you've gotta take advantage and be faithful in the moments that God gives to you. And so when you're at work, and your coworker is is bummed about his marriage, here's your opportunity to share your hope. Man, I was right there with you. I didn't know what to do. Here's what I've learned. Here's what God's done in me. Here's why I have hope in my marriage. When someone's struggling financially, when someone's struggling as a parent, and they don't know how to parent their kids, hey, we're all there, right? Like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. So how do you parent? Well, here's why why I have hope. And here's kind of what I'm learning. I'm not there yet. I blow it every day, but I'm learning and God is growing me. And so I, I take these moments to share my hope and my reason. And people are drawn to that. Now, let's go to number three. In conclusion today. Just kidding. Just making sure you heard that. Number three, you will inspire others when you share with the right attitude. So it's not enough just to share your hope. You've got to do it in the right way. And so how you say something makes all the difference. The life that you are leading makes all the difference. If you're a jerk at work and then you're like, oh yeah, let me share my faith with you, they're going to be like, dude, get away from me, right? So our life matters and the way in which we explain our hope, in fact, matters. And so he says in verse 15, do this with gentleness. Do this with respect, Folks, if we'll just read the Bible and do what it says, like we'll, we'll change this world. Like we, we just get sideways when it comes to culture and our country and what's going on around us and think we've got to do all this law stuff and, and, and pick it. Listen, we just got. you are called to be ready to share your hope. You're not called to, to be able to explain and prove the existence of God. Like I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. Like, be prepared to to explain and convince somebody that there is a God. Like, you cannot physically and mentally do that. That is God's job. Your job is not to condemn somebody of their lifestyle. Oh, you're wrong, and this is terrible. About you're not spiritually, emotionally capable of convicting somebody of their sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So stop pretending. Like you have to do things that you were never called to do. I feel like some of the times we have these fears because we feel, feel like we have to disprove evolution to somebody. Like what? No. Like you, you don't have to worry about that. He calls you to share your hope and do that with gentleness. Do that with respect. So anytime you come in condemning somebody of their lifestyle, anytime you come in trying to argue a point, you're not doing the cause of Christ any good. You're in fact not even doing what God has called you to do. Yes, stand for your faith. Stand for your beliefs. But we do that with gentleness. We do that with respect. And this is the life that God has called us to. He says, be ready, share your hope somebody says you know why do you even go to church or why do you have faith then we say all right so so I serve Jesus because of this and and, and 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 God saved me and God has changed me and so so here is why I live for him it's not just because my parents made me it's not because I believe the bible necessarily even though I do I I believe this because my hope is in Jesus and he changed my life. Now, the reality is some of you can't share hope because you've never experienced hope. Some of you are on the verge of like becoming like this this person that's, you're just kind of like on the verge of, you know, experiencing an amazing growth and an explosion in your faith. You're a couple of decisions away from that. You've got to make some decisions in your life that you know you need to make, and then I believe if you will start sharing your faith, God will start exploding your faith. If you start intentionally saying, "I'm going to share my faith with somebody at work today," I'm going to bless somebody with the hope that I have, whether it's at a restaurant, you know, the the server, somebody at, you know that waits on me at the coffee shop. Somebody that God brings into my presence. Like every day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take time to share my hope. If you would begin to do that, if you would in fact begin to pray for that, God, help me to recognize the opportunity that you give to me today to share my hope. I believe God would honor that. He would begin to explode your faith. I was um, uh, talking to a friend and, and reminded me of one of our stories here at FC. There's was a guy named Michael he worked with, um, his, with a guy at work, his name was Tim. And um, Michael started coming to our church a couple of years ago. He's got a great family, but he was very, very skeptical about the church. And so he was kind of here and didn't really wanna be here. And, and then over time, God began to work on him. And eventually, God began to change his life in ways that he had never seen or, or experienced before. And so he was taking deeper steps to follow Christ. And as a result, he found himself at work in a hostile, not-allowed-to-talk-about-your-faith-type mentality workplace, he found himself talking about church and what was happening here at Foothills. He found himself specifically talking to Tim about why he has hope in Jesus. Well, Tim was a guy who didn't believe in Christ. In fact, called himself an atheist, didn't even believe God existed, and and uh, not to mention, had never even been to church before. So as he began to hear Michael Michael began to develop a relationship with him, and he began to share, like, like, here's my hope, and here's why I go to church. And over time, as that relationship grew, uh, Tim was experiencing more and more hopelessness in his life, because without Christ, people have no hope. So as he took more and more steps into those darker places, sure enough, he had some marital problems, and over time, he and his wife actually got a divorce, And Michael was sharing with him during that time, loving on him, encouraging him, talking about church. Tim had denied and rejected his invitation to come to church many a day. And finally he decided, all right, whatever, I'll come. He showed up to Foothills Church and Pastor Trent, yours truly, preached on tithing that day. I didn't know he was coming, right? But here's the great thing about God's word. It doesn't matter what I preach on. If God is pursuing you, he's going to continue to pursue you. And God did. Tim came back. <clears throat> not only did he come back, but he continued to come back. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go to this base camp thing that you guys are talking about all the time. So he showed up to base camp all three weeks. Now, he had, not, he, he had still not committed his life to Jesus. And so on week three of base camp, we sit, uh, every, every uh, couple or family sits down with a coach and the coach talks about, hey, what would you think about the class, and what questions do you have, and do you want to partner with us? Let's talk about faith. And so um, I showed up to to be one of those coaches, and, and uh, Lance partnered me and Tim together. So Tim sees me, and he's like, oh crap. <laughs> they put me with the pastor. I must really be in bad shape. No, that's not how it works. They just kind of do it. So anyway, so we sit down, we start talking about faith, and, and uh, I asked him if he'd ever committed his, his life to Jesus, and he said no. And I said, are you I mean, do you wanna do that? And he was like, no, I'm not ready. So we just started talking and, 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 and continue to talk about the gospel. By the way, he had heard the gospel many a time from, from Michael and other friends and, and he had been to church. So he had heard it all before. So as we talked for many, many, uh, um, gosh, I don't know how long it was, but it was a long time. And then as we, as we kind of wrapped back up, I just was interested. I said, so I'm just curious, why are you not ready? And in that moment, when I asked that simple question, it was like the thousands of conversations that he had had with Michael, the thousands of experiences that he had been experiencing in his life, the hundreds of interactions with people at this church, from people who helped him find a parking spot, to people that shook his hand when he walked into this unfamiliar building, and they made him feel welcome to the people that scooted over into the center of the aisle to give him a seat, to the people that had been loving on his small children while he was figuring out his life, came to a head. And the Holy Spirit gripped him. And it seemed like 100 minutes. I'm sure it was only seconds. But he looked at me and he said, you know what? I don't know. I think I am ready. And so in that moment, he prayed and trusted in Christ, and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Now, from that point on, his life radically began to change. And so his ex-wife is like, bro, what happened to you? <laughs> like, why weren't you like this back in the day? So like all these things, his kids, something's happening to you. People at work, something's different about you. And sure, no, man, he's not perfect. Ask him, he's, he's, he's got a long way to go. But the great thing about it is, now he has hope. Do you know why? Because Michael took the time in his work schedule, in his life, to talk about his reason and his hope. His heart was set on Christ. And as a result, he decided, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be ready and, and I'm going to talk about it because it's important to me. And I'm not going to fear who's going to exclude me. I'm not going to fear, like, what's going to happen. What can they do to me? Like, what can they do to me? I serve God. He's in control. He is sovereign. I, I want to make sure I please him, not what I think may or may not happen. And so I want to share hope because I have hope in my life. And his life was radically changed. Now, the cool thing is I could share more and more stories of life change in our church in exactly the same way. And here's what's important to me. When you look at the early church, you see thousands and thousands of people coming to know Christ. The church explodes, and one day, 3,000 people get saved and are added to the church. It's explosive growth, rapidly. Now, how was that happening? In an age where there was no sh- social media, <laughs> there was no live feed, there was no, you know, megachurch, pastor-like like celebrities there was no online bookstores to go you know buy stuff to download to your Kindle. How were they sharing the gospel and communicating it so rapidly? Well, people that had hope shared their hope and personally, in relationship with gentleness and respect, people shared the gospel and people brought people to hear the apostles speak and, and, and then later to pastors who were preaching the gospel week in and week out. And guess what? The same method is blessed by God today. If you would get serious about your hope in Christ and you would begin to share your hope in Christ, God will explode your faith. If you would invite people to come to this church week in and week out, and no matter what I'm teaching about like we open up the Bible, God will work. And he'll do the same thing in our church that he has done in the church for 2000 years. See, the bottom line today is that God wants to lead or God wants to use you to lead someone to Christ. God wants to lead, God wants to use you. You. Not just pastors and not just, you know, people who are you know, the super religious. God wants to use you to lead someone to Christ. Now, I credit Michael and God using Michael in that whole experience. Now, I was like the cleanup batter that got to come in that day and got to see him make that commitment, but it wasn't my work. It was God's work through Michael who had been sharing and loving on him for so many weeks. And the same will happen in your life. You have hope and you are working with, living with people who have no hope. Hope. And here's the reality. You have to experience this hope before you can share this hope. For some of you in the room, you have never experienced this hope in Jesus. I just want to remind you today that God created this world and He created it perfectly. And He said that it was good in Genesis 1. But you know what happened? He created man, He created woman he said there's one tree i don't want you to eat from and i don't want you to eat from that if you do you're going to die and they broke his command and they ate from that tree and as soon as they did sin entered the world sin is 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 something that completely wreaks havoc in our life it separates us from god it breaks relationship with other people and it leads to brokenness So in a world that God created and designed to be perfection, sin broke that design. In brokenness, we try to solve problems on our own. We run to things that we think are going to fix that brokenness. But we find time and time again that nothing is going to fix that brokenness in this world. We read things and we've heard things from guys like Paul that, that say that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's in the Bible. And we all kind of recognize that, yeah, I'm not perfect. I sin. I've got a lot of junk in my life. We also realize that that Paul also said that the the wages of sin or the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so so we see that even though we live in a broken world and, and we all experience this brokenness in our life, we have the gospel and the gospel is called the good news. And it's good news because in this broken world, Jesus, God in human flesh, does what we, you and I cannot do on our own. He completely lives a perfect life, exactly how God designed it. And because of his perfection, he made the payment for our sin by dying on the cross. He took upon his shoulders all of our sin. And so he... He dies in our place. And on the third day, he's raised victoriously from the grave, conquering sin, conquering death. And the scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will, in fact, have that relationship with God restored. Not only that, but we will have the hope and the promise of heaven. But it's not enough just to believe this gospel. We have to actually repent. We have to believe in it. Some of you have heard it a hundred times, but you've never turned away. That's what repent means. It means to turn away from from the, the way that you're trying to fix your brokenness and to turn to Jesus. And by faith, trust him. Believe in him. See, the gospel causes us and leads us to make a decision to follow him. Like it demands a response. We can't just hear it and get heaven. We can't just show up to church and have everything fixed in our life. No, there's a responsibility on your part and on my part that we must in fact respond to this Jesus. We must say, say, yeah, I I believe that I'm a sinner. I, I confess that I'm a sinner and I am turning to you I I am giving you my life, Jesus. And when you do that, the Bible says that God saves us. And then it's a continual lifestyle of of rediscovering God's design in your life. And so you begin to pursue God. You begin to pursue the Lord in your life. and, And then you begin to experience what marriage was supposed to be. You begin to experience what relationships are actually supposed to be. And in every area of your life, as you pursue the Lord, you begin to see, okay, here's God's design. And you begin to live through that. You know, some of you have heard that story a hundred times. But you have never committed your life to Jesus. In fact, some of you have never even been baptized. Maybe you were sprinkled as a kid or... Maybe you, you know, got baptized as a little kid, but you had never at that point made a decision. You had never committed your life to Christ. You didn't even know what you were doing. So in fact, when the Bible says to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's a command that Jesus himself models to us. He was baptized. And then all throughout the New Testament, we're told to repent, believe in Jesus, and be baptized. So baptism is basically going public with your faith. It's this outward uh, symbol of the inward commitment that you have made to the Lord. I tell people it's a lot like my wedding ring. I can take my wedding ring off. It doesn't mean I'm not married. It doesn't mean that I'm not committed to my wife, but I wear this as a symbol. Some people believe baptism saves you, and, and that's not what I believe the New Testament teaches us, but, it's a, but it is a symbol. It's a, an important step of faith and and today we're actually going to baptize some people and some people that are sitting here today that had no idea that they were going to step forward and make this decision let me just let me just tell you we have all the towels, we have all the clothes that you can change into we've got hair dryers we've got you know whatever you need in order to make this day a special day. Some of you are like I don't have my family and friends here. They have to come to be, listen, we're videoing this. We will give you the video because here's the deal. The Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. In other words, when you hear it, when you experience the Lord, when you experience this conviction that some of you are going through, it's time to make that decision. Now, don't let that opportunity pass you by. And so I wanna ask you to bow your heads and, Please nobody leave and and nobody get up right now. This is that moment where I want in the stillness and the quietness of this room, with no distractions, that God would be able to to really, truly speak to some of you in the room. If you're here today and you would say, Trent, I don't really have hope. All my hope is just, you know, positive thinking. I've never committed my life to Jesus. But today I want to do that. I'm ready to do that. Here's what you would say to God. Just repeat this to him. God, I confess that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus is your son. That he died on the cross in my place. And he rose from the grave. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I commit my life to you. Now, if you said that today, and this is a commitment that you've been dealing with and struggling with maybe, perhaps you haven't thought about it, but for whatever reasons, you said that prayer today and you meant it. I want to encourage you today. I want to ask you to do something. In just a minute, as, as others are praying, I'm going to ask you to, everybody to stand, and I'm going to ask you to actually come forward. When we begin to sing this song, you come forward. My friend Lance is going to be to your right here at the front. If you said yes to Jesus, if you committed your life to him today, when we all stand, you you come forward. We've got some coaches and some folks that want to talk with you and encourage you because we actually want you to get baptized today now some of you would say like okay well i've committed my life to christ but i have never been baptized and so today is your day you've let distractions you've let you know time get in the way you've let a hundred different things keep you from making this decision Today, no excuses. Today is the day you're going to move. I know over the last few weeks when we have, I've, I've kind of had this talk. I've seen hands raise up. People saying, yeah, I committed to Christ today. And yeah, I did this. And, and we haven't seen you, like, let anybody know. It's almost like you're ashamed or you're trying to, trying to pretend like this is not a reality for you. Here's what I'm saying to you. Like, you've got to make this public. It's time for you to respond. And you are in a place that's going to high-five you and be excited for you. So in this moment, right here, right now, if you're ready to do that, I want to ask you to do it. Now, I feel like there are some people here, before we do it, You're sweating it. You're like, my wife is here. My husband's here. My kids are here. They're not going to know or understand what's happening right now. And I'm just telling you don't fear what people may or may not say. You be convinced today that what God is calling you to do is what God, in fact, wants you to do right here, right now. So you just say to the people, hey, excuse me. I am going today. So on the count of three, everybody just stand up. And those that are ready to make that decision, you come forward. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. It's going to be a great day. We're going to baptize some folks today. God is in this place. Let's get excited for what God is about to do. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.